0: Gentlemen, happy Tuesday. It's back on Spotify Live, the Multiplicity Morning Show. Good to see you both. I'm joined by Tristan Freeman and Riley Davis. Tristan, let me just say quickly, uh your Twitter handle Hoop's Nut is one of my favorite Twitter handles out there. Good job.
1: I appreciate it.
0: <laughs> yeah, sometimes I uh I roast Carter for having two underscores, which makes it impossible to look for his, but like nut. Memorable, easy to find. Kudos, my friend. Riley, how are you today?
2: I'm doing pretty well. Nothing too eventful. Had a pretty good Memorial Day weekend. Grilled some burgers yesterday, which is always fun. Had to do some yard work in the morning, which wasn't so fun, but, you know, we got through it.
0: Sounds like a very classic Memorial Day. Uh, I avoided doing yard work as well. Tristan, what did you do on Memorial Day? Anything
1: fun? Oh, no, I, I slept all day. It was too, it was like 90 degrees in Pittsburgh. I had no desire to do anything.
0: You weren't running up any hills? No uh, preemptive punishments for our Indiana bat?
1: Oh, no, there's no need to. Uh, you're the one that's putting all your eggs in the Xavier Johnson basket. So you should be the one that should start training, buddy.
0: Okay. All right. Uh, we'll see about that. We may have to revisit that today. Who knows? Uh, For everybody who just joined, first of all, hello. You're listening to the Multiplicity Morning Show every Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday on Spotify Live. I am Tristan every Tuesday to talk college hoops. Uh, And I also just invited our uh, Multiplicity counterpart, Dion Hillford, from the Break the Bank podcast up here. Uh, Dion, one of my favorite sports personalities in general, big Warriors fan. We do a lot of NBA stuff. He's going to be in the room with us on Thursday this week. Uh, but Dion just texted me roughly 20 minutes ago, guys, and said he is finally caught up to speed on the top of the NBA draft prospect list. So I thought it'd be fun to invite him up and, uh, hear some of his hot takes and then run them by both Riley and Tristan.
3: So let's do that. Dion, how are you? I'm good. Are you good? Fantastic. So you want the top? So I spent 20 minutes catching myself up on about 70 prospects, um, do you want the top or the bottom of the first round? I ignored the second round. I saw uh, Trevion Williams would be going down there, so I'm, you
0: know. <laughs> he called it quits. Makes sense. Yeah, was, uh, was, so uh, first of all, Rick, there's does,
2: uh
3: <laughs> Speaking of –
2: sorry to interrupt, but speaking of uh, Trevion, does Dion know your nickname for uh, for Purdue? Oh,
0: no. <laughs> uh, I don't know that I remember my nickname for Purdue,
2: Riley. <laughs> It's bench your all American you. Oh yeah yeah yeah, that was a thing early <laughs> in
0: the year. Uh, yeah, Matt Painter got too cute. Okay, that's what it was. It, that was the story of Purdue's entire season. He got too cute, and the but the problem is by like a month in, it made sense to me. I fell for it. Like I I'm convinced Zach Eadie's the star in that front court, and Travion's just like a wannabe dream shake role player and I don't know if Matt Painter tricked me or if it's actually true
2: I don't think it's true for the record I love Travion but I just I I will never not think that nickname is hilarious for Purdue and I just wish it would stick we have to
0: point (laughs) fingers at the debacle that was Purdue last season though like my fingers are pointed at Travion and whether that's fair or not that's who I've assessed the blame on. Anyways, okay. Another. So, Dion, you, uh, there's not anything more you than spending 20 minutes catching yourself up on 70 prospects. <laughs> so you you go wherever you want to go with this. You can go top or bottom of the first
3: round. I don't care. Uh, so I'm going to just start with probably like uh, Ochai Abaji. He's just Kansas Duncan Robinson. I cannot believe this dude's going to go Lotto. Like borderline – Borderline unplayable in the NBA. Um, I can't believe Mark Williams is going to go Lotto. He, he's essentially. Okay, wait,
0: wait, 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 wait. One at a time here. One no, at a no, time. My God, I got One. ahead of myself. <laughs> You're good. O- Ochai. Uh, I, first of all, is he going to go lottery?
3: So I. So what I did was is I pulled up. Um, I don't know how to pronounce his name, so I just call him Buddy from ESPN. His mock draft. And he has him going. Gavone? Either 13. Is that what you're talking about? Sure. Uh, <laughs> he has him either going 13 or 15 to the Hornets. With I know he's going to the Hornets with one of those picks. 15. I just pulled it up. He has him going 15.
0: Okay. The the Duncan Robinson side of this is one thing, but calling him unplayable seems a little wild. I feel like he's one of the more NBA ready guys, quote unquote.
3: I think his skill set. I mean, in the NBA, he's just going to stand there and shoot like he's not going to bring you have to bring something else to the table on the other side in order to be playable. That's kind of Duncan Robinson's issue, too. So I I, I don't know. I mean, Duncan Robinson got 90 million dollars and sat on the bench for the full series. Yeah,
0: but in college, Duncan was like sixth man, just a shooter. Ochai was like their primary option. Yes, he's a volume shooter, but I think he has a little more to him than that. Uh, Riley, uh, let's go. Can I get a 1 to 10 grade from both you and Tristan for Dion's takes here? Let's structure it like that. Give me a, a 1 to 10. or No, let's do five stars, like a recruiting ranking. So a five-star take means it's a can't-miss take. You love it. A one-star take means it's a total bust. Uh, what is Dion's Ochai Ogbaji is just Duncan Robinson take to you?
2: That's a that's a zero star take. <laughs> I feel like you're like Ochai actually has good athleticism. He's super bouncy. He was a good defender this past year and has sort of been seen as like Kansas's best wing defender for the majority of his career there. I, I'm not seeing like calling him unplayable in the NBA. I, I I agree with Greg that it seems like he's one of the more NBA ready, like immediate c- contributor types of the that you'll find in the first, well, outside of the that you'd find outside of the lottery, assuming that he goes like in that 15 to 20 range.
0: If you would have said Buddy Healed instead of Duncan Robinson, I would have been all for it. But I uh, that's my comp for Ochai, by the way, is Buddy Healed? Tristan, one to five stars on the Ochai take.
1: Yeah, I'll I give it two stars. I, I I do agree that I have concerns about him going lotto because I don't think his ceiling is going to be as high as other prospects. And you and I don't know how much he's going to develop. You know, it took him a while to become you know a, an above average offensive player in college for Kansas. I just don't know how much more he has to go through. But I definitely disagree that he's unplayable. I think his defense alone will be solid. And any guy who's a three and D guy. You know, Duncan Robinson's only a three. There's never been D for him. That's why he was unplayable. Uh, Abaji can get minutes, but I'm not sure that his play will be worth a lottery selection.
0: Also, it cannot be understated that uh, Ochai is also a very pretty man. I don't know where you worked that into this equation, Dion, but uh,
3: it's just a fact. He's a very pretty man. I just want to say that calling Abaji super bouncy is also a zero-star take. (laughs) Him and I probably got similar. Uh.
2: <laughs> okay, but he was—he's always been like throughout his whole career at Kansas. You get him on those little baseline cuts, or he cuts back door. He's always catching lobs. Maybe super bouncy is a stretch, but he's definitely a better athlete than Duncan Robinson.
3: No, I agree. If no one's near him, he'll probably dunk the ball. <laughs> you don't think it's very functional, like through traffic? I think he's like, oh, uh, what's um? He has like Clay Thompson level athleticism, where it's like he's it he, it's it'll sneak up on you like you can't he can do it in traffic, but it's not something you're really gonna expect type of thing.
2: I guess that's fair. I just feel like I have so many memories of watching him like throw down huge dunks over the last four years at Kansas, but I mean to your point i it does seem like they're always like dunks off of two feet, and there's never like that. Poster where he's going off one over somebody, not to my memory at least, but I don't know. I still think he might be a little more functionally athletic than Clay Thompson, and a l- little bit less sneaky in that
3: sense. I get well, I'm pretty high on Clay Thompson's athleticism. <laughs> That, that was more <laughs> up it out loud.
2: Okay.
0: <laughs> yeah, I, I'm surprised you compared any warrior to any player that you're actively slandering. That's impressive. I do think I think you could put Abaji into Moses Moody's role right now, and he could do what Moses Moody's done in the playoffs. sit so on, on the bench, like I mean, what, I mean what are we He had about? a good six minute run, Dion, Okay,
3: that's what I'm saying. <laughs> Ochai could do. All right, let's move on. You were going to Mark Williams next. Yeah, so I think – so his skill set, something. Uh, He's the person I think transfers to the NBA the best. I think he probably plays a role uh, right away. But the problem is you can also get that role for the MLE. Like, <laughs> in the NBA, if, if all you can do is block a couple shots, dunk the ball, rebound effectively, you're just JaVale McGee. And, like, he's getting I, – I think I heard – and this is Ant – um, it wasn't It wasn't like Giveny or whatever, you, however you pronounce it, but Ant called him Clint Capella. Like that's just a nice way of calling someone JaVale McGee. So I, I don't know. Like I, I do think he has a skill set that transfers really well, but like taking him in the lotto when you could just get him for the MLE or the minimum is like nuts to me.
0: So I, I feel like this is a conversation about centers in general. Like we're seeing a guy who went first overall – what, three seasons, three or four seasons ago, and DeAndre Ayton. Now everybody's saying, oh, like, you're stuck in hell if you have to give DeAndre Ayton the max, when by all accounts, like, he's had a good start to his career. He was arguably the third best player on an NBA runner-up, and he's 23 years old. Like, he, he could very well be a multi-time all-star in the future. And nobody wants to pay the dude just because he's a center. And, yes, there's other stuff emotionally and effort-wise. I get it. But, like, I am just very baffled by that. I feel like that sort of plays into this. Like, I don't think the guys you just mentioned, like a Clint Capella or even a JaVale McGee, like, on paper, if you could get that guy at, like, 14 overall at the end of the lottery, like, I think that still might be a top 14 player in this draft class. Like, who JaVale McGee is or who Clint Capella is – Probably is a top 14 player in this draft class. But you can get those guys anytime, like you said.
3: Yeah, this wasn't so much Mark Williams slander. Like, I actually think he's going to be like one of the better. Like, if you're Chicago picking at 18, it makes perfect sense to take him. Or like a team that's a little bit more complete, Memphis at 22, it makes complete sense. But if you're a lotto team, give me... Like, I'll take the chance on a guy with crazy upside, right, like Kennedy Chandler, Jaden Hardy, and then I'll just sign a center to catch lobs. It, it cannot be that hard to pull off.
0: I, uh, I'd just like to go on record and say that Kennedy Chandler should not have crazy upside, in my opinion. He's, what, like a six one guard? How many of those guys end up being anything in the league unless they're freakly skilled guys, which I don't think Chandler is. I think he's six foot. That's just not (laughs) – I don't see upside there at all. Uh, I do – I laugh a little bit because like Mark Williams, the hype now is 100% just coming from the fact that he measured with an insane wingspan. And like normally I make fun of those guys, but I've also loved Mark Williams all season long. Uh, Like I I was at the Final Four not to do the humble brag bullshit, but like I, I saw that shit in person and like Mark Williams is the one dude who physically dominated those games. Like it when he was on the floor, it was just like eye popping, offensive rebounding, like there was nobody like him at all. Uh even in comparison to like Paolo and AJ Griffin who I think are pretty physically dominant for their position, uh to me like that it just Mark Williams pops off of the floor. And you can see that even before you knew he could dunk a ball without moving his feet. Uh, Riley, you hate Duke. Do you hate Mark Williams? And what would you – is there a take on Mark Williams for you, Dion?
3: He's Uh, – I just – I would never take a center anywhere in the top 20 if they can't, like, guard guards or wing players and he moves his feet extremely slowly.
0: Yeah, I think he could I, yeah. guard guards but okay that's the take you wouldn't take Mark Williams top 20 uh, Riley one to five stars on that and what do you think of Mark
2: yeah I'll give Dion three stars for that take um, mainly because I think I, I would consider myself like a very 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 loose Hornets fan like they've never been exciting really for my entire lifetime. But like, I guess I cheer for them when they're on and I I like LaMelo and everything. And I just think that, I mean, it feels like a given that Michael Jordan is going to take Mark Williams at 13 if he's there, and then he's going to take it Bajji at 15, the first guy we talked about, because Michael Jordan drafts dudes from blue bloods. So that's like what he does, uh, regardless of how you know how great their ceiling might be. But yeah, I, I see where where Dion's coming from, but I do think. Mark Williams would be a good fit for the Hornets in particular, a team needing some rim protection. Uh, but I, I would give your take that he can guard guards, Gregory. That, that is a, a zero star take. Mark Williams cannot guard guards. Do I, do I need oh, to point you, on. do I need to point you back to what happened? Uh, the very, that, that final play, the Caleb Love dagger three that you got to witness in person. When he just completely splashed over Mark Williams and that like seven five wingspan, so I I don't really I don't buy Mark Williams as a multi positional guy with with wings and guards. That being said, like he was by far the scariest dude on this year's Duke team to me as a Carolina fan. Like all three times we played them, it, it felt like if he takes over, if he gets going, or if he wins his matchup with Baycott, or like that we're doomed. Thankfully, that didn't happen two of the three times. So. I mean, I see the the appeal of him, but, yeah, I I am not especially high on him as a multi-positional defender.
0: Okay, two things. One, some Paolo shade. Loved that. Uh, (laughs) Two, uh, I, I would argue that he actually defended Caleb Love's shot well. It was just that Caleb Love hit some bullshit many times (laughs) at that March run.
2: That's what Caleb Love does though. (laughs) But it wasn't, it wasn't even just that play. It was like Duke kept switching those ball screens throughout that game. And like every time, and you can, you can put Paulo in the same category. It was every time that RJ or Caleb got Mark or, or Paulo on them, they, they viewed that as food. They were getting to the rim at will, especially the second half of that third matchup.
0: Yeah, that's true. This is true. Tristan, uh, let's so go to exactly you next. Three, three out of five or three out of ten? Uh, oh, yeah, yeah, five. Okay, that's Yeah, five-star five star ranking system, just like the the rivals database. Tristan?
2: Yeah, yeah okay. I got you, Dion. I wasn't going to give you zero stars. <laughs>
1: <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I, I'll go with two stars mainly because I think when you're drafting between, say, eight and 14, a lot of those teams already have good guards. So do you really want to draft another guy that's probably going to get buried on the bench unless they break out? Or do you want to give up a, a, a need like center? And the thing with Mark Williams, his defense, I think, does translate to the next level. He, he may not be the best with guards, but who, who are who, who I mean who is in today's game? I would I would take him for sure in the lottery ring, especially if you're a Charlotte, who already has the guard play. And the quickest way for teams to rise up and to be in you know playoff contenders, like we see with Memphis and Boston, is to have a good defense. So if you can have you you can lock down your defensive anchor for the next eight to ten years, why not do it? I think out of all of the centers, Mark Williams is the most likely to be that guy.
0: Uh, I'd love that Dion's just getting two star ranking after two star ranking here. Uh, and the, the sad part is Tristan and Riley are nice enough to like, probably feel a little bit bad about that. Normally the people Dion comes on Spotify live with, would just be ecstatic to fucking slander him. So it's a nice change of pace for me. Dion, what do you got next?
3: Well, I was just going to say the, the majority of the people that I come on here with are wrong. So if they gave me two stars, I would know my takes, right? Um, I, this isn't a take. I just wanted to point out something I noticed when I was doing my review. Ty Ty Washington's like 30. How in the world was he a freshman last year? Uh, that confused the hell out of me. But uh, I'll go to Paolo since we he got brought up. I think he's the best player in the draft. Um, he like, I don't know, he's really fucking good at basketball. I, I hate Jabari Smith. He's just Harrison Barnes with a good barber. And then Chet scares the hell out of me just because, like, I have no idea if he's – like, what's going to happen there. Jaden Ivy trick, folks. What, is, what does that mean when you say
0: you have no idea what's going to happen there with Chet? What does that mean? Like,
3: Montrezl Harold without Uber. <laughs> uh, like, I mean, how much weight do you think Chet needs to put on, G? Like, realistically? To like do 20, what? Like, 30 pounds? Like, To play – like, to be a superstar. He's got to put on some weight.
0: But that's the thing is when people have the weight conversation with Chet, like, the answer to play effectively at a starter level in the NBA is zero. The answer to be, like, a top five player in the NBA is obviously not zero. But, like, like that's – people act like if he doesn't gain weight, he's unplayable. That's
3: just not the case. But I, I would never draft in the top three for an effective starter.
0: But this is an effective starter, worst case scenario with upside as that top five guy if he puts on weight. Like, he's an elite shot blocker, a generational shot blocker at 7 1 that's going to shoot
3: 40 plus yeah. from three. Generational feels like a strong it's, word. I don't think it is.
0: Finally, yeah. Tristan, <laughs> am I wrong on that? Like, who's a better shot blocker in college in the last decade? Anthony Davis? That's it?
1: Yeah, probably that one.
0: Yeah. Like, he's that good. There there aren't guys that are as good at that as him that have played college basketball.
3: I mean, I do think he has the biggest upside in the draft. It's just, like, it's scary in terms of how he has to get there. It's it's a much more unconventional route to becoming a superstar than we've seen, like, recently. I, I personally don't think any of these dudes are going to be superstars, and you're probably, like, just hoping they become, like, your second or third option And hopefully you're, like, the Pistons where you already have the guy. The the Thunder don't have that guy. The Magic don't have that guy. The Rockets may or may not. Um, But if I'm a team, I would just take Paolo just for a little bit safer. It's just a little bit safer. Jabari Smith stinks. And then Chet just scares me. But I do think Chet has, like, by far the most upside in this draft and probably, like, the most upside we've seen in a little while. Like, it's crazy, like, what he could be hypothetically.
0: Yeah, that I think that's where I'm at with chat. Uh, so I, the chat's popping off right now. We got cart saying Paolo's going to be Fettuccini Alfredo, Boris DIA, which is my favorite Paolo Bancaro comparison you've come up with yet. Cart, good job. Uh, Josh says there's a zero percent chance Chat will be a superstar. Josh, if you can come up and speak to your your thoughts on that, I'd love to hear that. I I definitely don't think there's a zero percent chance that that could happen. Um, so I, I want to talk about Jabari Smith. Cart and I recorded some stuff this morning. that's going to go up on our YouTube channel. Uh, we did a full segment on this because I feel very strongly that the Jabari Smith slander has taken a way too significant turn for what he really is. Uh, part of that is because my Twitter feed is based in Michigan. So I see a lot of Ant Wright and Ant Wright has been just on like, a I don't know, a mission to slander this man over the last couple weeks. Uh, but, Dion, you essentially just said it. Like, you said he stinks. Uh, there's Davis-Burton's comparisons, Shetty-Osman comparisons being thrown around when I don't see that at all. I think Jabari Smith's really good, and I think he's likely going to be an NBA all-star. I also feel strongly that all three guys at the top of this draft can be franchise number one options. Uh, I feel like I am alone in that at this point. But I also feel like we're just in the echo chamber period of the offseason where everybody just needs to come up with shit to talk about so they nitpick and nitpick and nitpick guys they liked two weeks ago. Uh, I want to get Tristan and Riley's thoughts on Jabari Smith, though, because Dion and I could not be on further ends of the spectrum with this guy. Tristan, what do you make of Jabari? And in context with the other two guys at the top of the draft?
1: I, I'm 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 high on him. I think as an offensive player, he probably has the biggest uh, ceiling here. I think he has potential. We said this before. He could be a 25 point per game score. Like I, I think he has uh, almost all the tools possible. And he's a guy you know it's hard when you can just hit any kind of shot you want. at six foot ten. That's virtually unblockable. That it's he's someone that I think could he could break out more if he had better guards to play around with no offense to the guys at Auburn. Like, I think he is someone who I, I would take number one overall, although I would argue and, and you know, going back to Dion's point with, with Ben Caro, I would give him four stars on that take because I do think Ben Caro is the safest guy, almost a guaranteed 20 and seven guy throughout his career. And if you're a team like the Rockets who need front court play to match with the guards, he will be the perfect compliment for them. So I, I'm high on Carroll, but I'm just a little higher long-term on Jabari, assuming he goes to the right place to develop.
0: Riley, same question. And uh, Tristan, thank you for working in your five-star ranking of the Bancaro take as well.
2: Yeah, I... I I'm pretty much on the same page as Tristan. I feel like I agree with you and Card as well, that, that shot-making upside with Javari is too much to pass up. And I think like just even looking at his build, he's got broad shoulders. Looks like he's the type of guy who could put on weight. Um, and, yeah, you don't have that same concern that you would have with Chet. As far as him versus Paulo, that's, that's a little bit tough for me to give a take just because, like, I don't know. I'm biased against Paulo. Uh, there's a reason why I just – do college basketball coverage and don't talk about NBA draft stuff because I don't have to project this type of stuff. But, yeah, with Jabari, I think something that's underrated about him is even his feel for the game and how good of a passer he is for someone at his position. Like, he actually was second on Auburn this past year in assist rate. Um, and I think even going back and watching his games in high school, that was always something that stood out to me when uh, just doing doing preseason work last year trying to evaluate how he contributed at Auburn was it looked like it, was, it wasn't just that – you know, you had a 6'10 dude with a with a great shot who was just more athletic than everybody else, but he actually knew how to play the game and, and made smart decisions, which I know is something you can't really say for a lot of his teammates on Auburn. So I, I wouldn't fight you for taking Jabari number one. I think like he might be my favorite prospect in this draft. So yeah, that would be my take on him.
0: So coming back to the top two, like I I think I personally would take Chet one, I think I've swung on that, and Carter is part of the reason I've swung on that. Uh, I just think his upside is unicorn-like, and I, I don't think Jabari Smith's is necessarily like something we haven't seen before. But I think they're 1A, 1B, and then I think Paolo's pretty clearly 2. Uh, one thing like I've seen some people say, as they've started criticizing Jabari Smith more and more lately, is some people are like, you got to take Ivy over him like having a potential star in the backcourt is more important. I just want to point out Jabari Smith is over a year younger than Jaden Ivey. And if we were comparing last year's Jaden Ivey after one season of college basketball, which is the same age as Jabari Smith currently is to the current Jabari Smith, he's like a hundred times better than him. Like where Jabari Smith might be a year from now or what he would look like if he returned, God forbid to college for a sophomore season Is just not in the same stratosphere as uh, the Purdue guard. But a lot of people like, people frame up Ivy's weaknesses as like, oh, well, they're going to be so improved in the league. NBA spacing is going to help him so much. And like, does that not apply to Jabari Smith too? Like, everybody points to his poor numbers getting to the rim. Fucking Walker Kessler was planted at the rim at all times on a college court. Like, he was driving into traffic every single time he attempted to. And he was playing with a backcourt that was just a, an oncoming traffic disaster at any given second. Uh, I I watched him. I thought Randolph Childers said this really eloquently the other day in a clip that I saw. But um, essentially, like it, Jabari, you have no concerns about Jabari like being able to handle the ball, even though like if you watch highlight reels of his weaknesses and or you're trying to nitpick him, like, the percentages aren't great. Like, if you've watched him enough, like, that's something that you never felt was a weakness of his live. But going back and isolating clips, you can make the case. Uh, I just think he'll grow with time, and NBA spacing will help him a lot with that. So, uh, Dion you talked about Ivy. I
3: almost said Jabari Ivy for a second. I had to, like, pause for a moment. Jaden Ivy. Can I get uh, it? my full Jabari Smith take real quick. Cause all I said was that he stinks and I feel like that's about to get like, yeah, go ahead. All right, so he's actually, I know this is going to sound like weird, but he's actually like one of my like three to five favorite prospects in this draft. Um, but my problem with him is he's getting ready to be taken number one. And like you guys mentioned this too, like his, his potential shot creation ability. Um, I don't necessarily like agree with that or think that he has that. Um, I also think it's when you're playing like Vanderbilt and I, you know, like the reason he can't score is because of his guards is like crazy to me, but I don't watch college basketball nearly as much as you guys do. I mostly was just betting on Auburn a lot. And when they weren't covering the spread, the potential number one pick not having 30 bothered me, but um I think he I, he's one of my three to five favorite prospects because he's willing to accept his role like he was not trying to take games over in college. He wasn't trying to be a superstar he wasn't trying to do these things. I thought he played really good defense and on offense he was a one to two dribble guy, which is fine. He gets to his spots very easily. he's a good catch and shooter. I think he'll be better um like in the paint pause like in a in the NBA for every reason you guys mentioned. I just don't think he's going to be a superstar because I don't think that's the way his mind works. I think he's going to be like Harrison Barnes on steroids. Like I said, I called him Harrison Barnes with a fade. And I think he's going to play a role phenomenally, probably like a second or third option on a championship team, and he's going to play winning basketball. But when you're drafting number one, that's not really what you're looking for. And I'm concerned, <clears throat> like development-wise, that he's going to get taken number one and not be able to develop in the manner that he needs to. And we could see like an Andrew Wiggins type career art from him, especially early on.
0: Yeah. The only thing with those comps that I would just add is like, if Harrison Barnes and or Andrew Wiggins were six ten, how different do their careers look? (laughs) You know, like I think part of why he's so high in this conversation is the frame and the ability to just elevate and shoot over anybody from anywhere on the court. Um, I I guess I don't necessarily disagree mentally. Like he definitely did play a role at Auburn, but again, like anytime a game was close, like he was visibly frustrated trying to run back for the ball. And then Wendell green would throw up a half court shot that didn't hit the rim. (laughs) So like, that's not a joke that happened uh, probably seven to eight times in the final two months of the season. Uh, And ultimately, they burned out because of it, even though Jabari Smith had a lot of very good, efficient, high scoring games. uh, He just wasn't on a spot where he was necessarily going to lead the team in shots, even if he was shooting every time he touched the ball. Um, So it it will be fascinating to watch. Uh, I'm with you. I think we agree mostly on all of this, Dion. Other than you saying Jabari Smith stinks and then saying you'd take him between three and five. That felt like no,
3: he's one of my three to five favorite prospects. I love prospects that know like know their game. I think one of the most important things for any NBA player is understanding your strengths and weaknesses. I don't think anyone in the draft does that better than Jabari Smith. I wouldn't touch him three to five for that very same reason.
0: Okay, I want to play a quick game, and then we're going to talk about Jaden Ivey. Uh, we, we have a comment from Josh McSwag, who's been ripping on Chet in the comment section. Uh, Riley and Tristan, if you guys could both come off mute here. I'm going to go one by one through these, and I want you to uh, to look at these and tell me whether these are facts or cap, okay? Uh, Chet, he's old, so he won't succeed. Fact or cap? Cap. Cap. He's frail. Fact. Facts. Uh, he struggles against teams with NBA talent. Cap. Was that a, a duo cap? It better. <laughs> <duo> cap. cap. <laughs> okay, good. Uh, his Shooting is overrated. He can spot up okay, but he can't create a jumper.
1: Cap.
0: Hmm. Uh, facts. Oh, Riley, come on. I disagree hard with that. Uh, Reliable jumper Yes Josh you're right You did say reliable That is key Uh, If he plays center He's going to have to be Embiid or Jokic level great To be the best player On a contending team Cap Isn't that kind of true About any big though Yeah
2: I would say fact on that
0: Yeah that's a fact But I think that's true About bigs in general if that's your case, like don't draft a big one overall, maybe. But uh, also, welcome up to Connor Hope, who I know is uh, well familiar with Chet. Uh, Connor, how infuriated are you by Josh's comments here?
4: I mean, not that much. I, the thing with Chet is that even Chet would, would, would acknowledge his frame. And I think what people need to realize is just how well he used that frame and what he did have to be a post-defender in college. Um, And and if you look at the the, the athletic bigs or the, the physical bigs that he, quote, struggled against, their best performances in those games against Gonzaga were with Chet off the floor. So did he get into foul trouble? Yes. All freshman bigs in college get into foul trouble. But... The bigs that did well against Gonzaga did well with Chet off the floor. So it, it it's, it's tough for me to say that his frame is going to be an issue, especially when you give him NBA training, NBA nutritionists, NBA coaches to get him into a space where even if he's, ne- he's never going to be Embiid big or Jokic big, uh, obviously, but they're going to allow him, and coach him to use that frame in the NBA. And as for the jumper, like, is he going to cross someone up, step back and hit a three? No. But he's going to be able to create his own shot against kind of less athletic bigs. Then he can shoot over most guards. Um, and so it, it's kind of the big wings that I, the long wings that I think are going to be the biggest issue to, for Chet on offense when it comes to creating his own shot. Um do I think he's a surefire superstar? No, but I don't think anyone in this draft is a surefire superstar. So, uh, you know, it's 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 the fear of missing out with Chet that I think is going to drive whether he's picked, you know, top two or not.
0: Yeah, I I just am buying Chet Holmgren stock right now. Relative to a lot of these conversations, uh, I don't know. I like I don't think we're sure that he can't do any of these things we're saying he can't do like i think he might be a wing i think he might be like a massive guard that yeah we're penciling into a five but he's not a traditional five like even if he plays some five in the league like he's obviously gonna have to defend some five in the league but like i mean this kid has shit off the dribble this kid had like coast to coast ability in four strides like I, I think he has some shot creation off the dribble. I'm not saying he's gonna be like the most dynamic player we've ever seen, but I I think there's a lot there. And lumping him into like the don't draft a big conversation, I think is a disservice to what Chet can bring to the table. Uh I like he's a big because he's seven one. He played the four at Gonzaga, and I quite frankly, I don't know that we've seen <laughs> everything Chet can do just in relation to the roster and the role he played last year, he was on the most loaded team in the country talent wise. And uh, most of the time was playing next to a traditional low post big. Um, you know, there might be more to this than he's shown so far. So I'm, I'm buying stock from all these dudes is my point. Like, I, I think we're in the echo chamber period where everyone wants to nitpick. Like, I think all three of these dudes are pretty close to can't miss guys.
4: If, if Chet swatted his blocks on defense, I think people would be much higher on his defensive ability, regardless of frame. The, the fact of the matter is, is that Chet did a really good job of just going vertical on his blocks, and the ball almost always ended up in his hand or a teammate's hand, and rarely ever ended up kind of out of bounds or still in the possession of the, the offense. And, and while that's a net positive to, to Gonzaga, I don't think it doesn't create the same level of you know, highlight reel defense that some of these other bigs that have come out of college the last couple of years have had.
0: Yeah. There weren't the the gifts of Chet Holmgren blocks, even though he may have been getting four to five blocks every single game. Uh, Dion, uh 15 year old Chet Holmgren once crossed up Steph Curry at Steph Curry's camp. That's your boy, Dion.
3: Yeah. So I began what I- 15 years. So I was probably about 25. I began photoshopping Chet in the Warriors uniforms. I decided that they were best friends after that camp. I also didn't realize that four years later, we would still be in the NBA finals. So here we are.
0: <laughs> oh, boy. OK. Uh, yeah. Soak it up, Dion. Enjoy it. It's a new era. The beginning of a new era, some would say. Uh, let's talk Jay and Ivey. We're gonna go back ten minutes to when I said we're gonna talk about Jaden Ivy. Let's do that. You hate Jaden Ivy, tricked folks.
3: Yeah, you tricked folks. Um, I I just don't see it. Like everyone, <laughs> maybe maybe he is that guy, but at a certain point you have to decide you are that guy. But everyone wants him to be like some like crazy ball handler, and it was Matt Paint. Matt Painter's their coach's name, right? <laughs> Correct. Yeah his fault that Jaden Ivey didn't take over games and it's his fault Jaden Ivey didn't shoot more there's like literally times where like I because rem- I bet on Purdue a lot too so maybe this is me just hating the fact that like I lost a couple bets while he stood in the corner but the announcer would be like begging Jaden Ivey to take over the game and he just won it and uh at a certain point like that's gotta just be like Jaden Ivey that's that's not anybody else's fault besides Jaden Ivey's and then he's gonna get ready to go draft he can't really shoot and um yeah i don't know i i I will say this though like if you get him to oklahoma city somehow i kind of like that fit a lot
0: so i i do think one of the teams at three or four in this draft is going to talk them into ivy potentially over bancaro i've sort of been talking this into existence because i want paolo to fall to five for my pistons uh, but I, I feel like there's a thing there where teams are too high on Jaden. They're going to reach, uh, I, I like your point on like, at some point you got to look in the mirror with him. Matt Painter's widely accepted as like one of the best coaches in college basketball, at least in big 10 circles. I don't know how it is nationally for Connor Riley and Tristan, but like in the big 10, everybody respects that dude. Like X's nose wise, he's one of the best in the game. And like all of a sudden that wasn't true this year. And Painter did a horrible job with this roster because he could never figure out Jaden Ivey. Uh, I tend to flip on that. Like, I think there's more to the story. I would trust Matt Painter to do what's best for his team. I don't think he was holding Jaden Ivey back. I think that Jaden Ivey was not capable of doing things people wanted him to do. Uh, i just don't know what he does well as like an nba guard like he jumps off the highlight reel obviously that thing of him in this shirtless workout right now is going around where he's dunking on no defenders just like dribble handoffs at the elbow over and over again that's all he's great at like he's gonna win the highlight reel of that exact drill every single time i think he's elite in transition and he'll be really good in the nba in the open floor Uh, I don't think he can really go left. I don't think he has counters in the half court at all, other than trying to bulldoze his way to the rim. I think his vision's horrible. I think he missed wide open shooters on the weak side and in the corner on the ball side almost six times a game. And I watched every single Purdue game last season. He just didn't make the most elementary reads that you would hope a point guard would make uh, in favor of going through traffic. And in college, that worked. In the NBA, I don't think it's going to. Like you said, Dion. I don't trust his shot. People say he shot like 36% this season from three. That's true. For his career on over 400 shots from three, he's a 32% shooter. Yikes. Uh, Somebody tweeted this week that he is like Russell Westbrook, but with a jumper at this stage. Russ shot better in college from three than Jaden Ivey did. Uh, I just don't see it. I don't trust the kid, and I think it would be a massive reach to take a guy who I have vision concerns and shot concerns to be my guard of the future in the top three. Uh, Riley, I feel like I slander Jaden Ivey too much here, but like I really, really dislike him as a prospect. Am I crazy?
2: No. I gave both you and Dion five-star takes for that. Uh, I'm not going to say that like I hate him as a prospect like y'all do. Um, but I don't really see the appeal for top three. Uh, top three just seems insane to me. I, I, noticed a lot of the same concerns that you had, Greg. I think it really stemmed from when those Ja Morant comparisons just were flippantly thrown around throughout the season by people who clearly didn't watch college basketball. Cause yeah, what you said, what you said was spot on about the vision. His, his vision's not great. It's really like in the open court. Yeah. In, in transition, I mean, he's probably the best player in the draft in the open court on the fast break. And uh, I mean, I think his athleticism is crazy. And of course what the highlight reels have shown, Uh, I don't, but I don't think he even like gets to the line. Well, maybe that's yeah. His, I was about to say, he doesn't get to the lot, get to the line as much as you'd like someone of his athletic profile to. But then I just checked and he was second in the big Ten of free throw rate this past year. So I'm going to walk that one back. But yeah, I just think as a, as a half court player, there's a lot of concerns there. And, I'm not really sold on him as a point guard um, or that the new age, like lead guard type. And yeah, I mean, I agree with you too, that it's not like Matt Painter just lost his coaching abilities this year and that you can put those issues on him. So I agree with both of y'all. A five-star take.
0: I'm so honored. Uh, by the way, like the everyone, the, like, I guess the word would be raw. Like he, he's still really raw, right? Well, he spent two years in college He's been around his mom who's been in, like, very nice basketball facilities his entire life. Why is he still raw at this point? Like, if he wasn't going to be raw, wouldn't he not be raw by the time he's 21 years old?
3: I don't get it. His mom also tricks folks, by the way. (laughs) What does that mean? Uh, She can't coach.
0: Oh, got it. Okay, thank you. Uh, Tristan,
1: give us a, a one to five rank here. What do you think? Yeah, I'm going with five stars. I I I hate Ivy as a prospect. I honestly would not take him in the top ten. That I'm that down on him. You you, you guys mentioned before, he he's a, a he's a shooting guard that wants to be a point guard, but isn't really a point guard. His athleticism, you know, was was clear at the Big Ten level, but there's not a ton of athletes there. At the NBA level, he's not going to out athlete guys. So if he doesn't have that going for him, and if you can stop him, you know I, I can't help but remember what happened when Saint Peter's created a scheme to shut him down to stop him from going coast to coast, and he couldn't do anything, and he couldn't do anything with that. And when you're not a good shooter, you're you're not necessarily going to use your strengths like his athleticism at the NBA level to take over. I, I'm not sure what he's going to be able to do. And he's so ball dominant that if he doesn't have the ball in his hands. What the, what is he gonna do? So I, I'm I'm very down on him. I would not I would not take him anywhere near top five. I feel like the Detroit Pistons have such poverty mentality that he's Shut gonna up. go to them Stop and it. they're gonna take him. Stop. You know what's gonna happen? Well, that's
0: the thing. Is like I I'm advocating loudly that they should not do that if he is there. But like even if they do take him at five, I'm not gonna be super upset as a fan just because like. I, one, I think that range of this draft is kind of down. Like I, the guy I'd be wanting them to take over him is probably Shaden Sharp. And I have no confidence whatsoever that Shaden Sharp's going to be a good NBA player. So at least he's fun. Like it's, it's a fun swing, even if he's bad. Uh, the other thing we haven't mentioned at all with Jaden Ivey is the fact that he is legitimately a horrendous defender. Like he's not even a willing defender. And that's like it'd be one thing if he was a really good defensive player. He's not. He's bad. Despite having all the tools, it, it frustrates me to no end. Connor. Yeah. Oh well, that
4: was that was the biggest issue for me. So I, I was not really. I mean, I was hyped for for Ivy coming into last season, and then it kind of started to to wane. And then when I saw him play Indiana in Mackey, I realized why. And it's because, like all of you guys said he was legitimately disinterested on both ends of the floor if he didn't have the ball in his hands or in front of him. And so on defense, he wasn't a good positional off-ball defender. On offense, the, Purdue had ball movement. They had player movement. Ivy would sit in, a, in the corner and wait for the ball to get to him. And so you just, you just watch him play off the ball, and you, you start to think you have to really trust him as a point guard in the NBA if you want to take him As high as he looks like he's going to go because I just don't see him being a successful off ball guard in the NBA and I don't really think he's going to be a successful ball dominant guard either so.
2: I got a question about his defense for both Connor and Greg for y'all to weigh in Tristan too, if you want to chime in. And Dion, since you've been catching up, no, not scouting. not
0: Dion. You can stop. Me
2: <laughs> uh, but with Ivy, I remember that game against uh, North Texas that Purdue lost in the tournament last year. His freshman year, he had some insane like recoveries to get blocks coming over from the weak side. I want to say he had a couple steals to where it was like, dang, this dude could be a defensive monster. Especially considering, just like Matt Painter has a pretty solid track record of coaching good defensive teams, like. What was it to where his defense just became so abysmal this year? I know, Greg, you probably watched the most Purdue out of any of us, but, I mean, do you think it was all effort, or is there there's some sort of, like, just is there some sort of, like, physical limitation? Because that's hard to believe with his athletic profile.
0: So I – there's no physical limitation whatsoever, uh, and I think that's important to say, like, as we evaluate both sides of the ball with him. There are no questions about – his ability athletically or physically on either side of this. And that's why people can talk themselves into Jaden Ivey off watching highlights. When they watch just the hits of Jaden Ivey, he looks like a can't-miss player. Where it falls apart is a mix of what I would deem from what I've seen, and I watched probably 25-plus games of Purdue last season, I would call it a mix of effort slash disinterest mixed with super low awareness on both sides of the ball. This is a guy who will make highlight real defensive plays. He will make a huge block off the backboard. He will make like a a crazy, like leave his man entirely wide open and go across the court and steal the ball from a player and rip it and fast break. He'll do that like two to three times a game, but he doesn't make simple rotations. He doesn't do the elementary level things that you need to do defensively uh, to check at a reasonable passable level in college let alone the nba Uh, and that's the same with offense it's the same where i said he misses obvious reads like he makes highlight reel passes two times a game but he doesn't swing the ball side to side like a normal person would he doesn't hit the wide open shooter who's one pass away from him when he's coming off of a screen and that's the obvious read and I like, I don't know if it's personality based. I don't really know, but I know like there's enough of a sample size in two years to show me this kid has really low IQ on both sides and really low effort level at times on both sides, unless it's for a highlight real play.
4: And, and, and we could, I guess we could give the benefit of the doubt to Ivy in that. Yes. Riley, his freshman season, his defense There was at least more effort there. And then at the beginning of this past season, there was quite a bit of effort on the defensive end. It was kind of that mid to late January onward where you start, started to see his defense really just become, I'm going to stand here and try and, you know, make effort plays every once in a while. Um, But his defense fell off about halfway through last season. I don't know if it was all just his effort, it looked like it was just effort, but there could have been some other issues there. I mean, Purdue's defense the entire season wasn't really that great to begin with, but uh, it it just, it, it should frighten people that someone on a, the star player on a team that many people peg as a contender isn't putting in the effort or doesn't have the positioning on defense to make, plays that would win them ball games and and that's where i think my frustration with with ivy at the end of last season came
0: i also worry immensely about like what the nba media cycle is going to do to jay ivy i know that sounds crazy and now i'm like psychoanalyzing a 20 year old kid but uh like we're seeing this with this whole young generation of superstars of nba guys right now like Ja, and all like he goes to Twitter with Twitter fingers, and like the Jason Tatum, like Instagram posts this week. Like, the, everybody's just aggressively online, right? And you're very aware of what everybody's saying. Jaden Ivey has never been the guy who's had the fingers pointed at him in his basketball career. Like, he's been the guy everybody's made excuses for. The fingers went at Painter, they went at Travion, they went at Edie at times. It was always in defense of Jaden ivy's shortcomings. And that's not going to happen in the NBA because in the NBA, even the best player in the world gets criticized on the highest scale. And that's going to happen at some point to Jaden Ivey. And I'm going to be very fascinated to see how he handles that because to my eye, he's not a guy who's handled really any sort of adversity on the court well whatsoever.
2: Yeah, maybe that jaw comparison is people just uh, forecasting him as the type of dude who's going to get the Twitter fingers going whenever whenever he gets scrutinized. (laughs) I I would not be surprised at all if that happens.
3: I don't think that – I think there's an avenue to where that doesn't happen, though, G. That's why I like the Oklahoma City Thunder spot, because he's going to be, what, the third guard on that team. It'll be Giddy in shade I get the bulk of the attention and then both in game and outside of the game he doesn't really get much which I think I think that would benefit Jaden Ivey a lot especially because you you made a good point like he shot 36 percent from three and everyone's like oh like he's some good shooter like that's 36 percent from three from the college line with one of the McCaffrey brothers guarding you like that doesn't really do it for me <laughs> From an NBA sense, like, and then you, you said he was a career 32%. He was in college two years, which means that his freshman year, he must have been shooting threes like Carter at, uh, at the adult men's league. So, like, I, I mean, it just doesn't really do it for me a ton. Carl Elliott, a known
0: 66% career three-point shooter in college, by the way. Uh, so, say what you want. Uh, but... Men's league, it's well below half that. Well, it was also only on three attempts at his college <laughs> career. Uh, we got a few minutes left. If anybody listening wants to pop up and uh, say anything, some takes off or ask questions, feel free. Now would be the time to do so. Appreciate everybody listening. This is the Multiplicity Morning Show, Tuesday, Wednesdays, and Thursdays around lunch or before on Spotify Live. Uh, Dion, anything we didn't get to from your hot take? Uh, Rolodex, I guess. Can I say that? I don't know what
3: the word would be. Yeah, I got one more. This one's like... Uh, you might like this one, G. You also might not like this one. I, I would venture to guess this one's going to get me zero stars, maybe a one star. There's not a world Caleb Houston shouldn't go lotto in this draft. Um, I was, I, And that's not me saying he's a lotto talent. That's just the rest of the dudes going in the lotto. Like, it's a, it's a lower-end draft... I think he's really good. I like his jumper a lot. Um, I know he didn't shoot the greatest in college, but he took five attempts a game. So that's like, he's willing to take the shot. He has a smooth jumper. I think you get he's going to go to the right spot too, right? Like, I think he's a lot of talent that's going to go on the back end of the first round. So he's going to have no excuses from a developmental perspective. I think he was mocked to the spurs. That's almost perfect. Um, crazy athlete. I think he can get his own look too gotta get him to wait wait wait! crazy athlete i I don't know i saw a clip of him dunking like i said he's one of the worst athletes i've seen in
0: college
3: oh in college but i don't know i like caleb houston a lot i I don't know him and i've also i watched you guys as drug scouts i've completely convinced myself of max christie also (laughs) oh my god uh (laughs) <laughs> yeah, you're
0: you I'd i will save the time for Riley and Tristan and Connor. You're gonna get zero stars on that take, maybe one or two if they're generous, but when, when well, you I said know. when you said he's a crazy athlete, that's just the biggest lie that's ever been uttered on Spotify Live, any room in
3: history. That's uh, he I was told the Celtics would win games. Okay.
0: Okay, that was more feasible than Caleb Houston being a good athlete. He's no. a
3: horrendous athlete. Uh, no, he there's also a of, there's a lot of German surgeries out there nowadays. That's true.
0: Uh, it's actually not true. I don't know why I said that's true. <laughs> he, uh, your your point about his attempts is at least a good one. But like I I've just never seen a quote unquote good shooter. Hit the side of the backboard on an open catch-and-shoot three so many times, Dion. And again, I watched every single Michigan game last year. That man airballed or hit the side of the backboard on an open three at least one time a game. Sometimes two every single game. I'm talking wide-open catch-and-shoot threes at the college level. Uh, I don't get it. He pulled the whole, like, I'm not going to do anything basketball-related combine move which is a major red flag to me unless you're like a top five consensus guy. Like normally you should want to do basketball things. If you're a good basketball player, I won't say any more, but I think that tells me how I should feel about Caleb Houston. Uh, And to that point, Rob asked, do you think both the Michigan guys stay in? I do. Although I think there's a slight creak that Musa could return. Uh, That's not founded in anything I've been told from anyone who would know anything, but he's just like, He's not going to get drafted at this point. All the people who would be mocking him to get drafted if he had a promise or if he was likely to get picked are not mocking him there. So I think it's going to be a serious conversation in the next 24 hours. I think he's probably as one or two more workouts still of like, hey, do you really want to leave and not get drafted? Like, what's the plan? Um, So I think Michigan's going to wait it out and see. Caleb Houston's gone, though. That's for sure. And I don't think we got any speaker requests, so that's it. Let's go around the horn. I gave Dion his final uh, final thoughts here. Riley, any final thoughts for the people?
2: Final thoughts with uh, draft prospects. I know we didn't get to get into him, but I was kind of hoping his name would come up. One guy who I feel like I'm a little bit higher on than consensus is Jeremy Sohan, and I'll throw Kendall Brown in that too. I just like both those Baylor wings and think they both have what it takes to uh, be pretty good rotational players. Sohan, I think, has a... I actually think Kendall Brown—they both have really high ceilings too, in my opinion.
0: If Sohan and Kendall Brown swapped haircuts, how would that affect where they're being mocked?
2: As in, are you saying you think Kendall Brown's stock would be higher if he had blue hair?
0: I don't know what I'm—I just—I know it would swing one of the two <laughs> one way or the other, like 100%. I feel like I've, Kendall Brown might be, yeah, he might be closer to like mid-lottery if he had Sohan's hair
2: yeah I feel like Kendall Brown was still seen as like a projected top ten pick at the very latest late lottery really throughout like January, and then now I'm seeing him in the mid to late twenties and I don't know this is partly on base of what I watched of him at Sunrise Christian, but that kid has such a great feel, and he's a good playmaker, especially being like six eight six nine and I don't know. With with Baylor is such a, it's funny to say this just considering Scott Drew's history, like pre 2017, 2018. But Baylor is such a guard oriented team that I don't know if we saw like the like um, Kendall Brown use that like his max skill set. I think he can do a little bit more with the ball in his hands than what he did at Baylor, where he more or less was kind of relegated to just catching alley oops off of baseline cuts.
0: Yeah, I think I agree with that. I uh, I like that. I have my eye on where both those two end up. I hope they end up in good situations. We'll see. Situation is such a big part of it. Speaking of situations, I hope Jaden Ivey gets taken by Sacramento. Uh, <laughs> that's just pure hate by me, but I, I would love to see that happen. Tristan. That's, that's what
3: your boy hasn't mocked.
0: Give it. uh, so it's so good. If he ended up in Sacramento next to Mitchell and Fox already, it would just be so perfect. It's so perfectly Sacramento. Tristan, final thoughts.
1: Yeah, one one guy who I think should be in the uh, Bancaro, Jabari, and Chet conversation for high ceiling is Keegan Murray of Iowa. I just love his game. I think it transitions perfectly towards the NBA. I wouldn't be surprised if he's a 22-plus per game score throughout his career. I, I, he's someone I think is going to be a several-time all-star at the next level.
0: Yes, Tristan. Dion, uh, I'm assuming you not mentioning Keegan-Murray should tell me where you're at on Keegan-Murray, but can you give us your your quick thoughts from your research today?
3: Uh, <laughs> I'll keep it brief. I told Carter one of the more asinine things I've ever heard is, why would we trade up for Paolo Bencaro when we can get Keegan-Murray at five?
0: I like Keegan, man. I saw it up close. I know it's personal bias, but like, That week that I sat there at the big 10 tournament and watched this man just go like eight for 10 from three in three of four games at six ten, like (laughs) I'm really in, I think he's going to be really good. Uh, And I think he could be really good in a variety of roles too. Like if he's your second option, great. If he's on a horrible team and he needs to go do more, I think he could. Uh, But yeah, I don't know. I, He's not
3: Paolo. I'll say that. I still want the Pistons to move up if they can get Paolo. Does it concern you at all that he's old enough to have played Kevon Looney in high school?
0: (laughs) No, it doesn't. Uh, I'll leave it at that. No, it doesn't. Connor, any any final thoughts? What did we miss from your end? Connor, you're on mute if you're uh, attempting to talk to us. He's still on mute for me. Anybody hearing Connor right now? <laughs> no, nah, I think so. All right. Well, speak now or forever. Hold your peace, Mr. Hope. Uh, uh, do we have him? Do you do have, we have him? Yes, we got, got you. It.
4: Um, watch that Santa Clara film because I, I just have a feeling that Jalen Williams is going to go higher than a lot of people think he is. And he's going to be a good player in the NBA. Uh, I know he plays for one of those piss-poor teams that Gonzaga plays every year, but he has an NBA skill set that you know I think a lot of people are are missing. So if you're going to watch one team or watch film from one team from the WCC, don't make it Gonzaga. Make it Santa Clara because Jalen Williams is going to be a very solid player in the NBA.
0: I like that call out. We uh, Carter and I are doing a, a series that I think is going to drop next week. But we're doing all 14 teams in the lottery. We're going through, like, basically who should they pick and assess of, like, the three to four options we think could be there when their slot comes up in the draft. Uh, one of the guys we're working with is Multiplicity's own Nima, and I, he's just really, really good. He loves Jalen Williams, absolutely loves him, says he should work his way up into the top 10 potentially. Uh, so we'll see. More to come there. But keep an eye out for that. That series drops next week. Uh, we have new episodes of The Sleepers uh, starting five coming this afternoon as soon as I can click export. And uh, we actually went in depth on Illinois. I think there's a couple of Illinois people in here listening. Uh, we didn't get to this today, so we'll save this for next week. But I have a lot of uh, pro-Illinois thoughts and anti-Michigan thoughts right now. So watch for that on the channel. Uh, and, Riley, we didn't get to Matthew Meyer spurning your Tar Heels either, speaking of Illinois.
2: He's trash. He's terrible. He's uh. Let me think of. I wish I wish Carter was here to say he's just somebody bad with a mullet. So, but give me give me some time and I'll workshop it. But I I no I was I was a bit upset that he he spurned us and chose the Illini. Cause like when has UNC lost to Illinois in anything? I'm sorry, but we always beat (laughs) Illinois on the court. We beat them in recruiting battles and. You know, I know Coy's out there listening. Coy's a good dude. But there's just so many obnoxious Illinois fans on Twitter that I I just hate. I hate their happiness.
0: You know what it is, Riley? You know why this is happening?
2: Daddy
0: Daddy Brad is here. (laughs) Daddy Brad is here. And when Daddy Brad says be home by 8 p.m., we all come home by 8 p.m., okay? He runs this family. He runs college basketball right now. Uh, Yeah, think on that Matthew Meyer comp for next week, though. We'll talk more about that uh, next week.
3: Maxi Cleaver with a mullet. (laughs) Thank you. Perfect. (laughs) It's not bad.
0: All right. uh, Dion, you're going to be here Thursday, right, for the NBA Finals preview?
3: Yes, sir. I'll be here.
0: And and we're also doing uh, Dion's own show, Break the Bank, has an NBA Finals preview tonight on Spotify Live at 9 p.m. Eastern. I will be making a cameo there as well as a bunch of good people from Multiplicity. So stay tuned for that. If you're around, roll back through on Spotify Live tonight. And I uh, appreciate everybody popping up. We'll see you all tomorrow.